Amen. Amen. Honor to the living God today. I'm excited about um, what God is doing in our souls. Um, and we started off last week um, dealing with the work of God in the life of our sisters. Next week is going to be the fellas. Um, and so because of time, it was so much in that text. I didn't want us to just run past it and just jump, kind of jump through it because one of the things you, you, you know, we, you can't say it all, but there are times where you need to slow your roll as you're diving into the scriptures and, you know what I'm saying, and, and, and begin to chop up biblically what God is saying. And it was a multiplicity of great responses from last week's time. Um, we had a couple of interesting responses. Um, but praise the Lord anyhow. And, um, and so, and so we, we, we want to we wanna continue in last week's. There were some things that I, wanna, I wanted to talk to the ladies about um, based on last week's time that I didn't get to. And I kind of hate that I didn't get to last week um, because um, it was some, it, it, but, I, but I wanted you to feel the force of the text last week. And in our first and in our first point last week in First Peter chapter three, we talked about um, Christian women need to be nonverbal missionaries. And so when we were talking about that, it was talking about the wife. These Christian women in this text married uh, before they became Christians. And so many of them um, had husbands who hadn't trusted Jesus Christ yet. And they were placed in a dilemma of what they should do. And in that background, Peter was trying to help them to understand that marital turmoil and difficulty is not a reason to bail on marriage. Are y'all with me? And, 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 but I didn't get to what I wanted to get to really, I wanted to get to last week, um, didn't get to it, um, but I'm a, I'm a front load instead of back load our time with that today and talking about what, what, how do you deal with that. So we're going to do a bit of a, a regression. Is that all right? Okay, so, so, so he, says, he says in verse 1, he says, Likewise, women, be submissive. We talked about Hubertasso last week to your husband so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word. So we talked about them being nonverbal missionaries last week, and we talked about the fact, this is by way of recap, but I just want to give some applicational points before I go to the next section. And talk through, you know, because a lot of the question came up, which was a, a valid question, is, you know, what do you do if you are in a, in, a, in a hard situation where the husband is wigging out? Where he's losing his ever-living mind? Amen. I'm not going to look that direction. But, but bless God. Bless, bless the Lord, sister. God bless you. I'm going to just keep looking that way. To the light. To the light. To the light. <laughs> Amen. You know, the purpose of the message, I didn't want to go into views of divorce because I felt like if I dove into divorce, you would miss the point of the text. Because, and so, and let me say this as a word of that, because a few of you came up and it was, I love the way most of you brought it to me. Amen. Um, and and, and what, what, we, what we need to talk about is what do you, if a woman is being emotionally abused like these women were, some of these women were being fussed at, yelled at, emotionally strained, 
um, some under some pretense may have been, and I, I don't want to overdo what the text is saying, but some of them were in some harsh situations in light of their husbands not liking the fact that they became Christians. And some of their submissiveness had to not be submit, not being submissive to them because they weren't submissive to Jesus. And because of that, some husbands got frustrated and began to persecute their wives in the home. And so here, of course, in America, we got legal separation and, you know, we got divorce for irreconcilable differences. Well, there are no irreconcilable differences in the Bible. Like that's some old murky, I just don't want to be there type stuff. Right. That's some old murky stuff the Bible don't teach. Now, the Bible does teach, and I don't want to spend time, a lot of time on this. Is the Bible does teach safety, which we'll talk about next week, for women. So that I wasn't saying last week if you're getting beaten or emotionally abused that you should just sit there and pray. That is not what I was saying. But I on purpose didn't bring it up last week because we need to feel the weight of the text without our applicational loopholes. Because, see, most of the time we want to weigh out on the front end versus looking at the biblical points of obedience on the front end. Now, are there cases where you have, have the opportunity to divorce? I would say yes, but the Bible never commands anyone to divorce. Let me say that again. It never commands anyone to divorce. Now, this is going, this is going to hurt a little bit. The Bible never says that you can divorce because your husband beat you. That's, I mean, and, and, and I'm, I even have a hard time because I have a heart for women who are battered. But the Bible doesn't say you have a way out based on that. He doesn't say you have a way out because you've been emotionally abused. That's a struggle. And I don't want to present that with this uh, uh, without heart because they're protective measures, safe houses for women and their children that people need to go to. And God began praying and working on that man to get him where he needs to be so that the wife doesn't have to hide anymore. And I know we're in an area, though, where even now in today, you don't have to worry about the husband beating the wife. There, there do be some reverse whoopings going on. You know what I'm saying? So he may need to get in protective custody. Dang, I, I just can't imagine that. But, but, but when we talk about a biblical, I don't, I don't want to go into divorce, but I just want, I be, because I believe some of y'all wouldn't have heard me until I talked about that first. Amen. And so the, when we talk about divorce, we even at Epiphany Fellowship, I'm not going to do an anthology on divorce today. But because it was a big issue, let's lay it out. We will not tell anybody to get a divorce. We will not say you should do anything. We would lay out the biblical options. But we would encourage first biblical reconciliation. Because we, if you are a Christian, you have been given a ministry. Based on 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 21, and it is called the ministry of reconciliation. But see, in America, and this, is, this even is so contemporary because it teach, it's teaching against 
women who are so influenced by the world system that they utilize, the, they want to inject the world's options into the biblical system and God's way of doing things. And so our call in loving on you and coming around you, if there's immorality, a marital, you know, adultery of that type, we can talk about it, right? But the Bible never says go and get a divorce. And I want to emphasize that because most people teach that in a way that I think is healthy, but it does not point to a biblical rubric of measure for us to think through. Amen? Amen. So, so, so I'm hoping that by, by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that, that, that we can move uh, and begin to think beyond what does it look like for a woman to walk in a biblical femininity. Ladies, say biblical femininity. Say it one more time. Biblical femininity. Say it together, though. Y'all, y'all rumbling a little bit. Y'all rumbling. Biblical femininity. Amen. Now, that leads us to where our second point was, and I only got into the first part of point number two, where I talked about, based on this text, that Christian women must have countercultural values. Countercultural values. The biblical woman, the biblical woman, it doesn't mean somebody, uh, I had an interesting email where somebody told me that women, you saying women can't wear name brand stuff. And that is not what I was saying. How many of y'all ladies walked away with that, by the way? That's not what I was saying. And if you walked away with that, that wasn't, and it was from somebody way away, but I was just like, dang, I hope you didn't walk away. Did you didn't, did, like, anyway. So, bless the Lord, anyhow. And so we begin talking about the type of woman that God likes. God's preferences in biblical femininity. That's right, wifey. And so, and so, and so as we begin to unearth this idea... Because I believe in inner city communities, uh, 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 inner city communities, um, communities like this one especially, inner city and university communities, um, there's not a clear diagnostic on what masculinity is and what femininity is. I'm not running to homosexuality. I want us to come away from that and let's talk about what we're talking about in the text right now. Because most people, when they think non-feminine, they think a woman is a lesbian. That's not what we're talking about today, even though it can apply. See, when we talk about biblical femininity, we're not just talking about a woman who doesn't have culturally feminine characteristics. We're talking about the woman that doesn't have biblical feminine characteristics. You see the difference? And so now in this text... Pete begins to unearth the beauty of a woman that's attractive, that's smoking, that's like that, that's off the meter. Know what I'm saying? And so he walks in and he gets in this text when he talks about countercultural values. And he says, women, do not let your adornment, that's cosmeto, say cosmeto. Don't let your cosmetics, don't let your arrangement merely be external. That means it's, it's nothing wrong with looking nice because Proverbs 31 says the woman did look nice. She spun silk. I mean, she wasn't no homie woman. Amen. She wasn't homie. 
Peter is not preaching hominess in this text. Amen. I rebuke the spirit of hominess right now in J-E-S-U-S's name. Amen. Amen. My wife and I always have a joke. If she, like, we always have a joke. Like, she said, how's my hair, baby? I'll go like this. And she'll say, huh? I'll say, touch up, baby. Touch up. Touch up. Touch up. I love you, baby. So do not let your adornment, do not let your adornment be merely external. And so when we get in the script, y'all say, come back, come back, come back, come back. <laughs> And so when we talk about not letting your adornment merely be external, but listen to what he says, remember, from last week. But be the hidden person of the heart, the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. That's where we left off at. I want to just unpack what gentleness is and what quiet is. Can I, can I spend a little time unpacking that? Now, now, when we talk about gentle, you know what I'm saying? The Bible, gentle is not just a female characteristic. It is a Christ-centered characteristic. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Why? Because I am gentle and humble at heart. All he's calling women to in this text is what Jesus is. But he's, he gives a special emphasis to it because he knows how people can influence women out of being gentle. And so gentle, gentleness, gentleness is interesting. It, it, means, it means as mild and friendly disposition, kind, considerate, meek. What's interesting is the, the, the lexicon laid out some opposing words to kind of give you the sense of gentleness. It says rough, hard, violent, angry, aggressive, contentious, and malicious. It means a woman that consistently sows discord among the brethren. You ever met somebody that when there's a praise report that goes on, they're quiet? Y'all know where I'm going. But then all of a sudden when some mess comes up, they unearth their talk. I knew it. I knew it. In other words, they love it when stuff isn't going right biblically. That's not a gentle woman. A gentle woman is grieved when things aren't going Christ's way. She's grieved. She's bothered. She's hurt. She's frustrated. And she is unwilling to participate in whoever else is doing it. Matter of fact, her, her presence is so beefy in her gentleness is when it goes on, her presence makes those who are acting a fool feel uncomfortable. That's a beautiful woman that her her very presence calls people from out of their aggressiveness. Now, as an elder, I have to rebuke some stuff publicly. Juanita Bynum. 
I'll never forget her telling the women that you have to be like a bulldog towards men. And then she began to bark. And I, I, I mean, and I'm sitting there. Now, the reason why this is because it's on the Internet. So I ain't, you go to YouTube, put in her name, and go to put beside bulldog beside Juanita Bynum. And I was struggling. I was struggling. I was like, man, is this, is, is this where Christian women are getting their understanding of biblical womanhood from? A woman who's teaching them to bark like a dog and act like a bulldog who, who locks his jaw on somebody to bite him? She even told them, you can't be gentle. You can't be nice. You got to be like a bulldog. That is from the devil. Any man in here, but it's beautiful, any man in here will tell you, you start barking like a bulldog with him. <laughs> you start doing it, and, and she going back, and men, that's not attractive. It's not, it's not attractive when a woman is more of a, you know, not dude, because I wouldn't call being a bulldog a dude, but thuggish, unredeemed characteristics that you utilize as a defense mechanism against being abused because if you try to be your own stronghold then I'm telling you it's gonna crumble but when the Lord is your strong tower when the Lord is your stronghold when you're hiding in him I'm, I'm I guarantee that Jesus can defend you better than you can but when you choose to defend yourself, God will back up. Say, go ahead. Do your thing. Do your thing. But check it. Then he, go, he's, he's, he, says, he says, this woman, he's, he gives the characteristics of, of a woman's hidden person. And he picks, it's a bunch of them he can pick, but he highlights these, right? Then he goes to quiet. A quiet spirit. Now, let me start with spirit before I talk about quiet. Now, quiet, quiet means has the, I mean, spirit has the idea of her disposition and attitude. It's not talking about you got the spirit of non-quietness, loud, you got a loud spirit. It's not talking about like some devil is, is influencing you to be loud. That's not what it's talking about. There's not, a, there's not a loud spirit or a loud demon. I rebuke that loud demon. That's not what is happening here. He's talking about a disposition or attitude of the heart because of sin. But he says, she has a quiet disposition. This doesn't mean that she doesn't talk. Now, let me explain that. Let me, let me, let me explain that. In, in other words, it, it, it points to in the context of a woman being peaceful and restful. Mainly in the area of womanhood. She does not get up in worldly signs of womanhood. In other words, she is undisturbed. One translator said she, she has an undisturbed spirit. I like that. Because it gives the sense of the word. In other words, in our context, it would mean being undisturbed by pop culture. In other words, when she sees ways in which women in the world, their femininity and their values get exalted through the media, whether it's VH1, whether it's MTV, whether it's a VH1 soul, whether it's the videos, they don't covet them. 
They don't covet them because they are unmoved because they are so rooted in Christ Jesus. And Jesus is so much a part of their identity. Matter of fact, not just a part. He is their identity. Colossians chapter three, verses one through three. They know that their identities are hidden in Christ where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. That's where their identity is. And whenever they see anything that comes against a biblical understanding of Christ-centered womanhood, she is undisturbed because of the rooted nature in which Christ has taken shape in her beautiful heart. She wants God to define her. Where are you looking for your definition from, ladies? Are you looking for from a dude? Are you looking at the videos? What are you looking at to define your value? I remember back in the day, you know, Light had the song, I want a rough neck, got to get a rough neck. And everybody liked that. I want his hands in his pants and all of this stuff talking about. It's like, do you want that? <laughs> now, I know some of y'all say, I don't want my man to be a punk, though. Like, I don't want him to be, like, soft. But that doesn't mean you settle for unredeemed thuggism. Somebody ought to hear me. There's a strength, what I'm going to talk about next week, that Christ brings that, that's stronger than any thug this packing heat can be for you. But I'm just telling you that you got to have a spirit that is defined by God, not the culture, in order to help you with that. Not only that, she doesn't change anything that's left field of the kingdom. This work means quiet spirit finds her needs met in Jesus Christ and is not relentless, disturbed or insubordinate. In other words, wants to come out of her God-ordained role. That's called pride. Pride means not finding solace in Christ and Christ alone and letting his definitions fuel how you execute in life. And so this woman who has a gentle and quiet spirit is that way. Now let me get some examples of this. You know, a woman that's, that's, that, that has, a, has a, a, a gentle and quiet spirit is not embittered or snappy. Just snappy. Not only that, having um, a hair-trigger soul. Anything can set her off. What? I know you ain't talking to me. Who you talking to? Just that grungy, rugged, gutter trash, curb, burned out house, rat infested attitude. That's, that's not beautiful. A gentle and quiet spirit, when you get around her, she's like being around a tranquil ocean. Her soul is like the sunrise. When you're walking by the beach with no shoes on, with, sa with no sandals on, and the, and the sand is just hugging on your feet. That's the kind of woman that the Bible's talking about. It's the kind of woman that she can just rub your back and you feel better. Somebody ought to hear me. I should start hooping right there. That's, that's the kind of woman. And, and, and men, we need to learn how to treasure that. 
We need to, when we see it, and this is an application for fellas, when you see that in a sister, you need to encourage her without flirting. Girl, I'm just trying to say. I'm looking at a gentle and quiet spirit right about now. You know what I'm saying? Like, but you're looking at her flat out. And so we talking about soul stuff, soul stuff, family. <laughs> so, 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 so Peter is describing a beautiful, beautiful woman. Now look at what Peter even adds on to the end of the verse. He said, which in God's sight is very precious. Now, if you look at verse two, Verse four, it says, as a living, as you have come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious. Look at verse 20. It says, for what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten uh, for it, you endure. But if when you do good and suffer for it. Uh, uh, for it, you endure. This is great, a, a gracious thing in the sight of God for then he begins to describe Christ. So this is the center of the Christ-centered woman. Is This is not something that you put on yourself. This is something as you submit to a relationship with Jesus Christ and he graces you through your new identity, you're able to properly apply this. So ladies, if you know Jesus, you're not trying to become, get a gentle and quiet spirit. Jesus died on the cross and one of the applications of the cross is giving you positionally a gentle and quiet spirit. The issue is sanctification in Christ gets clutter out of the way based on chapter 1 in order for the gentle and quiet spirit that he placed in you to be seen. So this is a gospel-centered understanding of a woman, not a moralistic understanding. I need to be more quiet. I need to be, no. You need to look at Jesus and his gospel and a draw on it as the reasoning behind and the empowering mechanism for you to be gentle. Because you can't do it on your own. You can't do it. Because some of y'all done said a lot of times you were going to shut your mouth and you still ain't done it. Because you're depending on you to do it. But the gospel depends on Jesus to do it. You're saved by Christ and you're sanctified by Christ. It's all through the Bible, y'all. And so, and so, and so, and so, you know, I, I remember my man, you know, I had to look at, you know, uh, 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 the lyrics of an old song, you know, back in the day. I used to, you know, do, do, do this thing to that thing. You know, I need her around the way, girl. Y'all remember that? I want a girl with extensions in the hair, bamboo earrings, at least two pair, a Fendi bag and a bad attitude. That's what I need to get me in a good mood. Y'all can keep going, don't y'all? Don't y'all? Don't y'all? A Fendi bag and a bad attitude. That's what he wants. Then y'all were like, shoot, LL the way he looking, so with my Fendi and my bad attitude. LL, LL, LL. What you need? A lollipop? You know, all of that. You know, so again, again. Where are we getting? See, see, what's interesting is in our culture, women don't get, just get their femininity from other women. They get it from the expectations of men. So we got to be very, very careful, ladies, that your desire to have a man doesn't make you put Jesus aside to get a man. And 
And so I pray. That's why I told you this for married women and single women. It's for both. Last point. Then I'm going to get out your way. I know y'all tired of me talking. So I'm going to get out the way. We're going to dive into verses verses 5, 6, and 7. I mean, 5 and 6. Then I'll be out of your way. Last point. Christian women must be countercultural in their choice of icons. Christian women must be countercultural in their choice of icons. Look at verse 5. It says, for this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves. By submitting to their husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Some of y'all done checked out already. Lord. He must be crazy. (laughs) And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. I I can't wait to get to the end of that that little part because it's beautiful that he even booby traps the verse for false understandings of womanhood. Peter is encouraging them to begin to hold up proper icons because he knows that he has to give them some practical pictures. He know, I mean, he, 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 in other words, he's encouraging women to utilize biblical hermeneutics. Say biblical hermeneutics. What he's trying to get you as women to do is to look at, remember we talked about redemptive history? What he wants you to do is he wants you to go into the Old Testament and see where Jesus Christ is typified in the lives of holy women. And he wants you to see what Jesus Christ's shadow was cast like in the lives of these godly women and ask him to impute those things to you practically so that you can live them out. You know, it, it, it's, 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 in, it's interesting um, 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 that I'm listening to, to, to a song. Y'all know I like to analyze songs um because if you liked it then you should have put a ring on it if you like it then you should have put a ring on it don't be mad once you see that he won it if you like it then you should have put a ring on it uh-uh-uh uh-uh-uh-uh-uh right i but but as i was reading those lyrics I wanted to know what it was. Yeah, I wanted to know what it was. Because I know she ain't calling herself a it. Let somebody walk up on your talk. What's up, it? You be like, oh, I'm, I'm sanctification gone. I got me some vassal. You be wanting to fight. That's too close to the other word. You know what I'm saying? So you ain't feeling it, right? But what's interesting, what was interesting as I was thinking about, because this is a pervasive, this has become an anthem for many of you here. And as I look at the icon here, let, let's just, I, I, I'm, let, let's, if we talk about it, the question is, if it is what we think it is, then is that all you have to utilize? Matter of fact, you're giving away your worth early to get something that he's supposed to earn for the back end. 
So since he didn't like, now, now just understand, if he, you didn't like it. If you liked it, it. I didn't gave you it. Now I'm with somebody else, and I'm giving them it. Now you see he got it, but you miss it, so don't get mad that he got it. But he's only putting a ring on it, not her. So I'm trying to tell you, 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 do you know who you are in Jesus, woman of God? You, you better not settle for, listen, let me, boy, if I had time today, I'd point every one of you right here in the forehead and tell you who you are in Jesus Christ. That in Jesus, you ain't a it. Listen, 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 listen. It isn't the sum total of who you are. Oh, and I wish some of you all would really get that. Because some of y'all going to still walk away today and give it away. And, and that, that, like, that's the thing that breaks my heart as a pastor the most. Is seeing sisters not understand who they are in Jesus. And try to get identity from people who don't even know who they are. Nobody's going to tell you who you are but Jesus. Your daddy didn't tell you who you were. Your mama didn't tell you who you were. Your boyfriend. Listen, Jesus can only tell you who you are. He's the fueler of your identity, woman of God. Because of the cross. So he said, he, she says he encourages them to look at holy women of old and look at their adornment. He said, used to adorn themselves by submitting themselves to their husbands. In other words, they were kingdom cover girls. Yeah. Yeah. You know what cover girl, you know, everybody wants to get a cover girl contract. Maybelline and cover girl, you know. And I use it and it's, you know. But I believe that God wants you Christian women to so have the beauty of Christ's character through gentleness and a quiet spirit unveiled that you reflect the fact that you're a cover girl for a different kingdom. All of you have a contract with Jesus. All of you. You have a contract and your responsibility is for your soul. For your soul to be so practically seen and beautiful based on him. And people notice it because you're a kingdom cover girl. I wish the ladies would say, I'm a kingdom cover girl. That feel real good, don't it? Even, if, even when you don't feel like it. Even when your breath stink in the morning, even when there's snot in your eyes and your hair not done, if somebody else won't kiss you, God will. Because you're a kingdom cover girl. And see, God ain't loving you based on this. I wish somebody would get it today. <laughs> So he talks about submitting, and then he gives a clause to explain what submitting looks like. He says, the word that we want to take out of marital ceremonies, obeying. Guess what I found that obey means in the Greek? Obey. <laughs> now, I 
know that every antenna, I'm just slow rolling, is that okay? Now, obeying is a hard word today. And what's interesting is this talking about wives obeying their husband. I can't, it's interesting. And, and then it says, and call, and like Sarah calling him Lord. Now, what's interesting is that in Genesis 12, we just use Sarah. Her husband is a wealthy man. Now, they didn't have scepter. They didn't have Airtran, and they didn't have, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't charter a jet back then. They had no cars. They didn't have roads. It was rocky. They didn't have Thames. They didn't have mountain boots. They had sandals. She's, he said to her that God told me to go. And she followed. What's interesting about the beauty of, of God in Sarah, Christ in Sarah, that as her leader said go, she went, long as it didn't violate the king. Now, what's beautiful about that, this is a side note, and I usually talk about this in premarital counseling, is that men, we must have the credibility to be followed. So that when we say the Lord said something to us, that our wives aren't struggling with whether or not she's not following Jesus, but only following you. That's just a side note. However, this obedience, this beautiful in this passage is interesting. It says he, she called him Lord. Now, I don't, I'm not going to go there today. In that time, in that um, text, but in Genesis, look at this week, Genesis 18.22. Genesis 18.22, Abraham, in that passage, Abraham told um, Sarah, look, the angel of the Lord's here, go cook some food. And she's out there, talk, he's out there talking to the angel of the Lord, and she laughs, right? But what's interesting is the context of when she called him Lord, she said, my Lord thinks that even in this time of my life that I'll be able to have pleasure. But what's interesting is, and I never saw this before, is that she called, she, her, her calling him Lord was first without him being around. And so the disposition of her soul was not when he left, she acted a fool about who he was. Even when he wasn't around, she was submissive even in her talking to herself. Beautiful, right? Now, some of us, the ladies in here, you may think that's a punk move for a woman. But I'm just telling you, it's beautiful in the eyes of God. And so it's, 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 it's very important that it's not just something that you say, I'm going to just apply, but that it's a part of the totality of your disposition with your husband. And that's for singles who want to get married. So just know what you're getting into. Like, I know you want to be married real bad, but just know this is a lot of what you're getting into. And wives who are already married, this is what some of you need to begin through Christ to apply. So some key practices of submission. Make decisions. Through consultation. Make decisions through consultation. You, um, use the scriptures, not manip manipulation to get things done. There is a difference. 
Biblical submission doesn't manipulate because you know what he's like and what he's going to say. I know he's going to say no, so I got to do a bunch of this to make sure. No, that's called manipulation, not submissive. Confident in his decisions um, that do not violate the word of God. That's submission. If it does not violate the word of God, support him. Uh, spends within agreed budget. We talked about that last week. Loyalty to the husband exceeds all but the Lord Jesus Christ. Key. And it, then it says, here, it says, and you are her children if you do good. So basically it's talking about Abraham and Sarah being the mother and father of our faith. And so what's beautiful is as we walk in, as you as ladies walk in that, you practically reflect the fact that you're a child of Sarah. Okay? But then he puts in what I would call a loophole clause for the woman. He says, do not fear anything that is frightening. One translation says, do not be intimidated by your husband. Beautiful. I like that because what he's giving, after he's given all of this through verses 1 um, through the A and B part of verse 6, he, 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 the, the word here, frightening, means intimidation uh, by the husband, who in this culture, of course, would attempt to abandon, uh, the, 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 cause the wife to abandon her husband because the, of the embarrassment that he might face. So he might uh, uh, fall back on her, right? So Peter encourages them to defy their husbands only if they attempt to violate their commitment to Jesus. Then it's pointing also to their motivation for their submission. So in other words, the husband's disposition towards her shouldn't be intimidation and the motivation for her submission is her husband's intimidation. Because remember, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 20, chapter 5 verse uh, 22 says, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. And so, again, God is the motivation for your submission, not fear of what he might do. And so he says, do not let intimidation, not only by your husband, but comprehensive intimidation, cause you to do that. So it talks about the woman's motivation against retribution. Of course, some, some husbands would do what we talked about earlier, abuse them. So Peter uses this statement to qualify what it looks like to have a quiet uh, a spirit and gentleness. And so as, as, as we finalize this, I'm going to just lay out some key points of application for married women uh, to unsaved or wayward husbands, um, for women married to solid men, and finally for the single woman. Application. Don't use your Christianity. That's for the women that are married to wayward or unsaved husbands. Don't use your Christianity as an excuse not to be a missionary to your husband. I don't know how we could do that, but don't use it as an excuse. Divorce must not be a fixation. One of the things I tell people in premarital counseling is divorce is not an option. Don't go in with that as an option. Well, you know, I can... No, it's not like plan B. Be patient with God's timing. Be patient. Be patient. 
the Lord sees your affliction. The Lord sees what you're going through. Be patient with his timing. For women who are married to solid men, praise God. That's, that's application number one. <laughs> praise God. Some of you don't appreciate the good husband that God has given you. Praise God if you're not trying to win your husband to Jesus. But he has been one to Jesus. So I pray that God would realive in you to the fact, I praise God that I got a husband that's walking with Jesus. Next and last application for married women. Don't take advantage of his godliness and think it's weakness. Because some of you in the world were used to rugged men. And you saw manhood through the eyes of thuggism and being an athlete. And so when you married a man, you, God had you marry somebody that wasn't necessarily that, yet he's a beast spiritually. You see him as weak because he's not your type, whatever that is. I always ask people, what does that mean, that he not your type or she not your type? And then they begin to lay out all of these physical characteristics, which I'm not saying physical things don't have any. I don't want to sit up here and act like, you, you know, you just meditate and nothing. You know, I'm not saying that physical, like God created physical attraction, but we're talking about fixation on it that blinds your ability to see the scriptures. Okay. And so don't, 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 don't see his godliness as weakness, but that means that you have to change your view of what strength is so that you can appreciate his godliness. And for the single woman, I got just two applications for him. I'll be out your way. Evaluate your soul depth. Because based on your soul depth will determine what you choose. When I say soul depth, what I mean by that is your growth, your spiritual maturity, your completion level in Jesus. Because what will happen is, is you will begin, you, if, if you are desperate enough, you will compromise biblical principles just because you're lonely. And so the prayer is that you'll trust God enough and wait on him enough to not believe that you can just have anything. That you say, God, I'm struggling. And you pray it to him. You say, God, I'm struggling because I really want a man. I'm struggling. And you know how I feel. You know I cry. You know I'm frustrated. Yet, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. And, God, I need the grace not to settle. Because opportunities for settling is all around me, Lord God. But I pray that, you would, that I would get the sense that you're my husband. And that I would busy myself with, with biblical activities and God's community and sharing your faith and serving and loving you and working. So that you won't settle. That's my fear for every Christian woman that you settle. Because there are less men than women. And so the pickings to y'all sometimes can be like, ain't no pickings, so I just got to pick. Any, many, miny, mo. Right? And finally, for single women, this is very important and it's so biblical to this text also. You will attract what you propagate. 
if you are not practically living out what it means to be a kingdom cover girl, then your cover girlness is going to, whoever you're a cover girl for, you're going to attract that kingdom's cover guy. Some of y'all, some of y'all going to get that on the way home. <laughs> because you want men to look at your inner beauty, even though you're beautiful, and look at your inner beauty and be scared to just come up on you any old kind of way. You want when the guys talk about you behind closed doors. I'm going to close after this. You want the guys to say, you like her? Man, I'm, you know, praise God, man, you, you better come correct. <laughs> you want the word on the street on you to be, you can't just roll on up on me with some old psss and hey and and you know hey girl you wow you wow I mean and all that kind of carrying on you want your soul to emanate the glory of God in such a way that even unsaved men have to change how they relate to you But don't date them. Had to say that. You know, you got to say everything in here. Ah, I was a witness. <laughs> I had to say everything. Oh, my God. Because y'all are weed between a crack and a crevice. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so, and so and the reason why we spent this time is because we love you. We love you. And we don't want to see one bad marriage. We don't want to see no jacked up women who don't love God, who are bitter with God, who are, who are, we want to see every, God wants to see every woman live a precious and godly Christian womanhood. And I, I can't wait to see how Christ is going to marry so many of you off. I can't wait to see how broken marriages are going to be fixed, how men are going to meet Jesus through you and through his work. I can't wait to see godly marriages get more godly. I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see minds get changed. People make good choices. People in their premarital process listen to godly counsel. I can't wait to see the work of God. This is God's vision for us, is that we would be healthy and that we would glorify him and love him and repent when we mess up and move forward. Father, maybe someone is.